Thanks for listening to the Word Alive podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching. For more resources, please download our app by typing WAIO in your Play Store. I've been really excited uh, for this day. Paul Keith Davis is a, uh, first of all, he's a dear, dear friend of Bev and I's. We're, we're so grateful to be in a relationship with Paul Keith Davis. We've been walking together now for almost 17 years. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody can walk with me for 17 years. Paul, so he's a great man, isn't he? And, uh, uh, but he's, uh, he's such a man of integrity and character. He's a prophetic voice to the body of Christ. He walks in great integrity, great character. He's a student of the spirit of the revelatory realm of history, of scripture, uh, and brilliant, really, just in his understanding of the ways of God. And we're thrilled that uh, God had sent him today. When I met with him uh, a couple weeks ago, he was telling me two different messages that God had put on his heart, and I knew both of those messages were exactly what we, we needed to hear as a church. You're about to get really blessed today. So would you join me and give a big Word Alive welcome to Paul Keith Davis as he comes to minister us today. Come on. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you. Wow. After that introduction, I don't know, you know. If Rick Joyner were here, he'd say, now don't blow it. You know, don't blow it. Wow, are you glad to be out on a Sunday morning, huh? I am. I feel good this morning. I feel like God's going to do something. I, you know, I'm, I don't want to just have church as usual. Do you? If we're going to come out as the early birds to a 9 o'clock session, let's, let's encounter God. Wouldn't that be great? change the atmosphere and just begin to shift things in the heavens over your life, in the building, in the community. And I believe that's the desire of heaven. I really do, you know. And, you know, Kent has been, Kent and Bev have been great friends to me. I'm going to try to say something. He probably will not appreciate me saying this too much, but I'm going to try to say it without getting emotional. But, you know, I went through some uh, hard times for a few years back. Anybody ever gone through a hard time before? Uh, well, I'm glad I'm in the right place, you know. <laughs> you know, we often wonder what's that all about and, you know, why those things happen. But we always come out on the other side better than we went in, right? And if you walk with God, if you trust and believe and all of that. But I remember some years ago they had a friend by the name of Bob Jones. You guys may have heard of Bob. And, uh, you know, Bob went through seasons like that of his life where, you know, things would sometimes be a little difficult. Of course, he was a prophetic person, and he was a prophet. And especially for people that are prophets, you know, you have some people that kind of attach themselves to you. You've got people in your life, and you're not really sure about their motives. You're not really sure about their, their heart for you. And Bob told me one time, he said, whatever you do, always remember, God will sometimes shake your tree. And I thought, spoken like a true prophet, whatever that means, God will sometimes shake your tree. Until I went through a season of time when God shook my tree. <laughs> you know, like an apple tree. You know, a tree can look and you've got all this fruit on it, but sometimes God will shake the tree and a lot of the fruit falls off. But what remains is true. And that happened, with, you know, that's happened with me. You know, I, God shook my tree and one of the one of the fruits, one of the friendships that has just been so rich for me that's been powerful has been Kent and Beth. I had some surgery back in uh, March of 2015, a pretty serious thing where they had to repl- repair some discs and, and uh, put two of my vertebrae back in place. They were, they were dislocated and put a titanium plate in there and drilled 10 screws into my sp- spinal column and 
took bone from my hip and put it in there. It was, it was no fun whatsoever, but I was laid up for almost a year. And I want you to know something, that this church, you folks, word of lie, every month for one solid year sent a check to support my ministry. Not one time did I have a bill that went unpaid. Not one time did I write a solicitation letter. And people like Kent, Kent called me up and said, I know you're laid up. We want to. Anyway. But not, you know, I had a, I had a lot of people. That, that wrote to me during that time. And I, I'll tell you something. I, went, I, had, I faced death. I'm going to talk today a little bit about coming out of the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to talk a little bit about no longer partnering with the laws of sin and death, but partnering with the laws of the life of the Spirit in Christ. That's kind of the heart of what I want to share. And I just wanted to say publicly to you folks, thank you for what you did um, for helping me. Word Alive has been just an amazing encouragement to me, not just because, you know, you helped me pay my bills when I couldn't do, I could do nothing. I couldn't minister. I was laid up for months. And all over the body of Christ, I had people, thousands of people writing to me. And I tell you what, I had such a renewed sense of hope for the remnant of God's people. There are some people out there that love God. There are people out there that love people that love the people of God, that, that know how to be an encouragement. So don't ever just go by what you read or what you see sometimes with all the religious stuff that goes on in our nation. At the heart of it, God has a remnant of his people that are filled with his spirit. There's a heart, there's a remnant of his people that are pursuing the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There are people on this earth that have lived sacrificially. They are. There are people that are here that are anointed, that have power and authority. And when they speak, their words go into the realm of the Spirit, and they don't fall to the ground. They don't fall to the ground without accomplishing what they were sent for. Why? Because they have authority with God. They may not have a mailing list. They may not be on Charisma. They may not be on TBN and all these different things. But I'm telling you, in the name of the Lord, there are people out there that know the living God. And for the sake of those, they may be hidden. Maybe they're the 7,000 like it was in the days of Elijah. You know, I'm the only one. No, I've got 7,000 out there that they are a whole lot more powerful than you are. You just don't know them yet because they're content to be hidden away and praying in the closet somewhere and rattling the heavens every time they kneel down to pray. <laughs> Give me those. You know, those are the ones I want. I want to know people that know God. I want to partner in life with people that carry life, that are not carrying death, right? I know we're going to be in the world. We can't separate ourselves from, from death and negativity, but I'm going to partner. I'm going to be in covenant with people that carry life and spirit, that are thankful for the kingdom. I remember some of my darkest times. I had the spirit of death come a couple of times, right after the surgery especially, and, and there were times when I thought, thought I wasn't going to make it. I really did, just to be completely honest with you. And I would sometimes sit in my chair for hours at a time and read letters and cards that had been sent to me from the body of Christ. People that tried, that were, sent, that were sending words of encouragement and words of life. And I want, you, I want you to be aware of that, that words carry life. What you say matters. What you believe matters. It matters what you believe. 
And in the the midst of all of this chaos that we have been living in, there there are people emerging that are called the bride of Christ. They are called the sons of the kingdom. Do you believe the Lord is going to raise up a people that don't have spots and wrinkles on their garments? They're not going to believe in the traditions of men and the doctrines of demons. They're going to believe in the undiluted revelation of Jesus Christ. They are. They will not settle for anything else. You know why? Because religion... And lukewarm Christianity makes them want to vomit. I know it's too early in the morning to use that word. I know that. But you won't forget it, will you? (laughs) Why? Because it makes the Lord want to do the same thing. He will spew that out of his mouth. Listen, if we can't be on fire for God, go home. Did I just say that? (laughs) I can't believe I just said that. No, really, listen. It's, It's time, you know. Why? You were born for this hour. I'm going to talk here in a minute. I'm going to get there in a minute, but just give me some time to get warmed up. But there's something that was put inside of you, not when you got born again, not when you came and became a part of Word of Life, before the foundation of the world, the Lord saw you. He saw every yes, every decision, every thought you would ever have. He saw the moment you would turn your heart to him, and when he did, the Bible says he predestined you. By his foreknowledge, you have been predestined. You were given a destiny before you entered your mother's womb. You were given a destiny to live in this very hour before you entered this world and breathed your first breath. There are things that are ordained for you and I to do that nobody else on the planet can ever do. That's why there has been such a zeal. There has been a zealousness, a jealousy over your life. That's why you have not been able to get away with everything that other people have. Why? Because you're born to be a bride of Christ. You're born to come into a place of union with the Messiah. That's what you're called to do, to walk with God. I want to be like Enoch. I don't know what Enoch had, but I want it. I want to walk with God. Don't you? If I'm going to do this thing, let's do it right. Let's go all the way, right? (laughs) That's just my nature. I'm I'm glad God made me that way. I don't want to get just enough of God to get to heaven one day and then realize all the things I could have done, all the weeping and wailing. I think part of the weeping is the, is the reality that we could have done so much more. You know, there's some teachings that go around. I've been, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I've, I've been a little bit disturbed by some of what has been talked about in the way of people that have had heavenly encounters. I want you to know something. I believe the Bible teaches we can have heavenly experiences. Amen. Paul, you know, was caught up, whether in the body or out, we do not know, but such a man was caught up to the third heaven. John was on the island of Patmos, you know, and just because he had that doesn't mean that it was reserved for him. It believes we can have this, I believe we can have the same thing. If we meet God on the same conditions of faith, he will do through you what he did through them. That's the promise of Hebrews chapter 13. That, that I am, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's the verse that precedes that? Study the people that brought the word of God to you examine the conduct of their life, and imitate their faith because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If I can imitate the faith of John, I can see what he saw. And I've had a few things where I've seen some heavenly encounters. And I want to hear that voice say, come up here, I've had something to show you. Come up here and I'm going to show you what will take place hereafter. And here is John seeing this one sitting on the throne like a Sardis in appearance. Don't you want to see that? Even as I'm sharing it with you, aren't you provoked? I want to see that. 
I want to see that. I want to see what John saw, the one sitting on a throne like a Sardis stone with an emerald around the throne. I want to hear those lightnings and thunders and sounds and peals of thunder that come out from before the throne. I want to see the 24 elders clothed in white with golden crowns on their head. I, I want to see those seven lamps of fire before the throne of God. I do. I can't help myself. I want to see the sea of glass and those four living creatures, one like the image of, of, a, of a flying eagle and one like a lion and one like an ox and one like a man. I want to see that. Why? Because they're constantly, continually gazing into the face of God, declaring without ceasing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Ah, ah. I say all of that because at a conference that I was a part of not too long ago, one of the well-known speakers stood up and before <laughs> the conference and said, you know, she said that this person said they had been to heaven and said there were beautiful golf courses in heaven. And she said that because nobody is suing anyone and there's nobody sick in heaven, that God created golf courses so that lawyers and doctors could have something to do. And I thought, what nonsense. What nonsense. I know that may sound critical. I'm not meaning to sound critical. You know why? I said, okay, Lord, if that's nonsense, give me a scripture. And this was what he gave me. He said, those four living creatures are satisfied day and night for eternity. Just to be gazing on the Son of God and declaring holy, 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 day and night without ceasing. They don't need a recess break. They don't need to go get in a round of golf. They want to just stand right there. I had something happen when I was, you know, not, not too long ago. In my darkest hour, I mean the darkest hour, I was sitting in my room, and, and some of you may have heard me share a little of this on, on my uh, blog. And I had been having the Lord come to me, and I had recognized the presence when he had come into the room. And I felt this presence come into the room, but I couldn't see it. Many times I was able to see these images of light, and I was looking for it, and I couldn't. And so suddenly something said to me, look up there, look up above. And I looked up at where my ceiling would have been, and the ceiling was gone, and there sat the one that sits on the throne. I believe the very one we just recited, and a voice spoke and said, this is your father. I was undone. <laughs> undone. So you might say, would I like to run out and play a round of golf now? No, I could have stayed right there about a billion years. That was, I would have been happy to have, have remained in this presence for as long as I could possibly have, have existed. You know, and, and this is what the, 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 the characteristics of the bride of Christ are like. They're not going to want to go up to heaven to be entertained. That's a fleshly, carnal interpretation. You know what the bride wants to do? They want to follow the Lamb of God around wherever he goes. <laughs> wherever he is, that's where they want to be. Whatever he's doing, that's what they want to do. They don't want to ever take their eyes off of the Lamb of God. They don't. Why? Because you were made out, you're, on, you're of him. You were part of him. The two have become one. And I heard this voice say, this is your father, and that person sitting on the throne says, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. 
And from then till now, I've had this awareness of the presence of the Father as I have at this very moment. This awareness that I am the son of my Father and you are the son of your Father in heaven. If the seed of God abides in you, your Father is the very same Father that sent his Son to the earth to die and suffer that you and I can have eternal life. The Bible says that through the veil of his flesh, we have access to the presence of the Father. The veil was torn, it was ripped, it was shattered. And the Bible tells us in Romans, I mean Hebrews chapter 10, that veil that was torn was his flesh. It says he has now reconciled us to himself through his fleshly body in death so that you and I can stand before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If you feel helpless this morning, if you feel like there's some reproach on your life, it's a lie of the devil. And we're going to break that off of you this morning. We're going to get you out of your soul. You're holy. That's what the Bible said. Are you going to believe the Bible or are you going to believe the devil? You're holy. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have received the, the, his blood for the remission of your sin, he says you're holy and blameless. and beyond. You don't have condemnation on your life. There is, therefore, now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, right? For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. We don't have to live under this condemnation of the law. I had gotten into this mindset when I went through my, my crucible, <laughs> And I had partnered with death. I didn't realize it. I had, you know, here it says, if you want to look in your Bibles or you can just listen to me quote it, but Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. And I, the Lord finally came to me and, and, he, and he says, You're, you've partnered with death. Stop it. That's what he said. Stop it. Stop it. I had, you know, whether knowingly or unknowingly, you know, at, at some point you go through something and sometimes heaven sounds pretty good. You ever been there? You know, you ever been there? You know, part of us, we want to accomplish our destiny. We want to do what God has created. But then sometimes you stop and think, well, you know, standing face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ for the rest of eternity sounds pretty good right about now. You know, that's kind of the way we think. But, but you know, th there is some, in some part of that that is agreement with the laws of sin and death. If you haven't done what you're called to do, correct? In that, in that, we know what the Scripture said. And I want, you to, I want you to just follow me here for just a moment. Because the Bible says that the, the law, the constitution, the governing principles of the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law, the constitution, the governing principles of sin and death. So you have a choice this morning. Are you going to live subject to the laws of sin and death? Are you going to live subject to the laws of life in Christ? Because if you're going to live subject to the laws of sin and death, it's going to manifest in every aspect of your life. It's going to make you feel sick. It's going to, death is not the moment you last breathe your last breath. Death is a spirit. It is a law. And we can come into agreement with that law. And one of the things that I'm sent here to do today is to begin to break off of you agreement with the laws of sin and death and come into agreement with the laws of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's going to release something this morning that's going to wash away this residue of death off of your life. Death carries with it condemnation. It carries with it anxiety. It carries trauma and inflammation in your body, much 
of the arthritis and all the different things that we have in our bodies is because we have come into agreement, whether knowingly or not, with the laws and the principles of the law of the spirit of death and death as opposed to the laws of life which are in Christ Jesus. Wouldn't it be nice this morning to be free? To be free. And I came in, I'm just, I'm using myself as an example because this is what my father, he came and he appeared in my room. You can believe that or not, but I saw it with my eyes. This is your father. This is my father. Jesus came to Mary, you know, after the resurrection and she was clinging to him. He said, stop clinging to me. I have to go to my father and your father. I read that not long ago, shortly after this experience, and I heard it in a way I'd never heard it before. The Lord says, I'm going to my father, but he's also your father. He's your father. This man, the father that he spoke, he said, I am in the father, and the father is in me, and I don't do anything but what I see the father doing. I, I say nothing but what I hear the father saying, and me, my, my, I and my father came out from the midst of my father, and if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Because he was the express image of the Father, the exact representation of his nature, the express image. It says in the Greek, he was a replica of his Father, but in human form. The Bible tells us that the invisible God was made visible through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Then he says to you and I, now he's your Father too. Why? Because I paid the price. I removed the veil to the Holy of Holies through my flesh and now through my flesh my death and my resurrection, you have the opportunity to go into the most holy place where there's nothing but life, life, life. And we have to come out of agreement with the laws of sin and death. I had to do that consciously. I had to make a decision that I am not going to live my life in agreement with the laws of sin and death because it was manifesting in my body. It was manifesting in the, area, in the ways of inflammation. It was manifesting in my appearance. Even my appearance, people that were close to me could see it. And I had to find, I said, okay, Lord, tell me, how do I break it? Number one, it's, 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 it's a conscious decision. It says in, in Romans chapter 5, this is not the order that I was going to go in, but let's just go with it. Romans chapter 5, or chapter 8, I should say, verse 5, for those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those that are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death. But the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace. <clears throat> so I had to, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I need a secret. I need, I need a way to begin to break agreement. The Bible says... My citizenship, your citizenship, is in heaven. So if you're citizens of another kingdom, you're subject to the constitution of that kingdom, are you not? Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our body from its humble state into conformity with the body of his glory. Into conformity with the body of his glory. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people think, you know, that, that uh, and I'm going to say something a little bit provocative, but this is what I believe. This is what I believe. I believe that there's enough power for you and I that we don't have to die. I'm in the right place, right? 
Doesn't the Bible say the last enemy to to be overcome is what? Death. Death. So why do I want to live in agreement with death, which is a process? It's not just the moment I breathe my last breath. It is a process of death, which is negativity. I'm not going to think death. I'm going to think life. I'm going to to believe God is going to make me as strong in the end of my life as I was in the prime of my life, right? Did he not do that for, for Moses? And you might say, oh, that's that faith stuff. Well, it does require some faith, but this is not the old, old-time faith message. You know what the Bible says? You know, sometimes we think, and there's some truth in this, that if I say something often enough, I'll eventually believe it, right? You know, faith, message. And there is truth in that. It's better to say positive things than negative. Amen. You heard me say that, right? But the Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What I really want is to have such a revelation that the spirit of revelation, that my walk with God has become so experiential that what I say is a reflection of what I believe. Then my life begins to come into conformity with the body of his glory because I am a citizen of another kingdom. I'm, I'm speaking in agreement. I've seen some things. I have. I've seen a, a few things, not nearly as much as I want, but I've seen enough to know that we are living so far below the standard of God. For our generation, for our generation right now, I tend to believe that we might be the, the, the generation that could see the Lord return. I'm just going to believe that. If you don't believe that, don't bust my bubble. <laughs> we may be. I don't know for sure. But if you look at Israel, some pretty, pretty important signs, wouldn't you agree? It, Jerusalem is coming back in the hands of the Jewish people. I believe this whole thing about the embassy is a big deal. I believe the time clock, Jerusalem is the Jerusalem and the bride of Christ are joined at the hip, if you might say, in the spirit. New Jerusalem comes down out of heaven adorned as a bride. So what you see going on in Jerusalem is a direct prophetic reflection of what's going on with the bride of Christ. And so I believe that we can can with some confidence say that we are living in the last day. So what's the next thing on God's agenda? Pouring his spirit out upon his bride who will bring in the great harvest. Is the great harvest evangelism? It's much more than evangelism. I haven't forgotten where I was a moment ago. Just bookmark that spot for just a second. I'm going to come back to it. But I believe the death of Billy Graham is very significant. And I believed it for a long time. I had a prophetic experience back in 2003 where I was flying with the Lord. (coughs) Excuse me. How many of you know that's a good day when the Lord comes and gets you and takes you flying? Now, I know I'm in the right place to say that. I know this is a Sunday morning, but there are people in this room that know exactly what I'm talking about. Why? We we live in the Spirit, right? Doesn't the Bible say we have a flying eagle anointing? You know, one of the living creatures is a flying eagle. If I have that Spirit in me, that means I have a right to soar. And you you need to lift your wings this morning. Why? Because you need to get above the soul. Your soulish realm is way too stirred up this morning. Your mind, your will, emotions... <clears throat> your conscience and imagination. But if you spread your wings this morning, there's a wind blowing that'll take you right above all that stuff. And you can kind of get up in the spirit where things are kind of nice, where there's peace and there's joy, and you can begin to see things from God's perspective. When you do that, this hope deferred breaks off of your life. 
There are people in this room right now this morning that were so hopeless that you weren't sure you'd be able to make it another week. There are people in this room right now that were praying that God would do something today to restore life to your soul. And I believe he's going to do that. If that's you this morning, just lift your hand. If you just need it this morning, just stand to your feet right now. Just stand to your feet. Let's just believe God right now that we're going we're gonna to break that off of your life right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> you believe the Lord wants to put life back in you this morning? I believe it. I believe he sent us here this morning. Why? Because we're going to break agreement with the laws of sin and death, and we're going to release into you the laws of the spirit of life. So just lift your wings. <laughs> just lift your wings this morning, and let the wind of the spirit begin to blow over you. Let that anointing of the Holy Spirit begin to lift you up. There is some authority in this room this morning to be lifted, to be raised up, to not be earthbound, to be, not be bound to the, to the ways of this world, but to soar in the realm of the Spirit. Some of you, when I started talking about the Father, you felt your heart leap with inside you because what you want this morning is a Father's blessing. You want to know that God is your Father. That God is your Father. So I release it all over this room to everyone that is standing. Let there be an anointing, Lord. These are your children. These are the ones you bought with your blood. They are standing because they need a touch from you. And I know you will not disappoint them. So raise them up. There's a light right around this lady right here. Just lift her up, Lord, out of all the shame and all the condemnation and all the stuff that the enemy, the lies of the devil. So now I'm beginning to get, I can just hear right now, some of your spouses have been speaking horrible horrible things against your life. I want to break that off right now. I can hear it. I just heard it. I just heard this most foul, uh, harsh tone of voice come echoing right into my ear. And I'm not wanting to embarrass anyone, but if that's you, just kind of give me a little wave. I, I heard it. Okay, several. And I, I knew. And, and I just... I just want to break that off. I want to. I feel the compassion of God right now. I do. That God does. That's not the way He feels. And don't let those words go into your soul. Don't let them go into your soul. I'm asking for a canopy of grace to come over you, to cover you, and shelter you. So those those harsh, mean, demonic words would have no place. I saw several hands, and I just break them off of everyone here, and I lift you up above now. I lift you above those words. Those things are no longer anchors to hold you to this world. You are being lifted up by the grace and the love of Almighty God, your Father. And I'm not going to leave this until I feel a release in the Spirit. So, Lord, just come, come this morning. This is a good day to be free. This is a good day to soar. This is a good day to take a flight with your Father in heaven and let him show you the kingdom because it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let it come, Lord. Let it come, Lord. I just feel some shame from past experiences coming off this morning. I know that's a very general word, but I know specifically what I saw, and I do not want to embarrass anyone, but I, I saw some abuse from when you were 12, and I just break that off this morning right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ so that you can soar and be in the realm of the Spirit. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Can I get my water? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Don't you love the Lord? <laughs> oh, God. 
I'm so thankful to be saved. Aren't you? I am so thankful that, that we have the Lord. I love what it says in the book of Revelation, you know. I, I'm going to get back. Don't, I haven't forgotten my point. <laughs> Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Worthy is the Lamb to take the book and break its seals. For thou wast slain and purchased for God men of every nation, tongue, tribe, and kingdom. And thou hast made them to be priests and kings to our God. That's what the Bible has to say about us. And we're living in that hour where we're going to recognize the worthiness of God. They sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the book and break its seals. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessings in every created thing in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him that sits on the throne. As I'm saying that, can't you just see him sitting on the throne right now? I can. I can see it in my heart's eye. To him that sits upon the throne and to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory and dominion forever and forever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down on their faces and worshiped God. Oh, I want to be a part of that, don't you? I don't need a golf course to keep me entertained in heaven. I'm pretty sure that will, that will do for about four or five billion years then maybe one day we can make it into where the Father is. Oh. <laughs> I'm wanting to impart to you a vision of, what, of who you are. Many of you have forgotten who you are. You know who you are? You're a son of God, a daughter of God. That's who you are. You're a priest and a king, not because you're worthy to be, but because he made you to be but because he saw you before the foundation of the world. And the devil has made you forget who you are. In fact, some of you have been so overwhelmed by darkness, you've even stopped praying. But not after today. Because something's going to be instilled in you, and you're not going to be able to help yourself. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth is going to speak. He's going to begin to so fill you with an anointing, you will not be able to be silent. You're going to sit in your room and declare the goodness of God like I just did giving thanks and glory and honor to him that sits upon the throne. You know one of the secrets to coming into his presence? Thanksgiving. Amen. Just thanking the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you were willing to suffer for my sake. I am thankful that you were resurrected from the dead and you purchased resurrection life. I am thankful that you went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of, of disease. Why? Because you saw the people with compassion like sheep without a shepherd and you, you hovered over them and you saved them and you redeemed them. The Bible says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What does he want to do with you this morning? Anoint you. He wants to anoint you. He doesn't want you to leave here unanointed. He has sent me here. He has sent Kent here so you can be anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. Not this powerless gospel, this word only. That's what it says in 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Anybody can talk. But he says, I came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. 
that your faith would not rest upon the wisdom of men, but upon the power of God. You'll know that you have heard a message that's anointed when you leave that meeting desiring to walk with God. When the word begins to come alive for you again. For our citizenship is not of this kingdom. Our citizenship is not to be subject to the laws of sin and death, but our citizenship is in heaven from which we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Who will transform us into conformity with him, into conformity with him. The spirit of life that will quicken your mortal body. I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I need, I need a secret. I need you to tell me, this is just for me, how do I get out of that mindset? How do I break free? I wanted something practical, and I, I know that if I'm going to deliver a, a broad message, I'm going, to give, I'm going to leave you at least something that was practical in my life. You can, you can cater it to your own life. I would encourage you to maybe get alone with God and say, okay, Lord, what do I need to do? Because I know I have come into agreement with death. I've, been, I've had hope deferred, and I, I have been living under the laws. I, every time I hear a commercial about some disease, some part of me says, you're going to get that. Isn't that right? I was, after I had this experience, I don't watch much TV, but I, in the mornings I'll spend three or four hours with the Lord, and then I'll, about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning, I'll have a bowl of soup. And so what I thought, well, I'll turn on Fox News. What can harm me from Fox News? And this is after my experience, you know, and I'm, I'm living in the spirit of, you know, of life in Christ Jesus. And so I'm, I'm eating my soup, listening to Fox, and it goes to a commercial. And they have these infomercials about medications and drugs and start naming all these different diseases. And, I, and I'm like, oh, I can feel it coming on me now, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, no. no. My point being, the world is indoctrinated with death. They don't know any better. So I had to cut Fox News off. Now, there's not much of anything that I can watch. If I ever watch anything now, I, I know this sounds a little whatever, but I'll go and watch. I like Blue Bloods. You ever watch Blue Bloods with Thompson? Okay, come on. I got a fan down there. And I watch it on Amazon so I don't have to watch the commercials. <laughs> the commercials are, the, are full of death. They are. They are, and, I, and I, could, I could sense it, you know, after that experience, I'm realizing I'm being indoctrinated with death. So I said, Lord, I need, I need help. And he gave me a little secret that I use. I'm going to tell you my secret, but you do your own. But every morning, every morning, usually the very first things I say out loud is I have a little thing that I'm just, you know, I'm not naming and claiming it. I'm having a revelation of it, but it's coming out of my mouth. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget none of his benefits. For he pardons all of my iniquities. He heals all of my infirmity and my pain. Do you believe that? Do we really believe that? It's in the word, right? He heals my sickness and my disease. He redeems my life from the pit. He crowns my life with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies my desires with good things, and he's going to renew my youth like that of the eagle. 
that I needed a little joy, so I found the one I felt the anointing on, the voice of joy and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride, the voice of those that say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his loving kindness endures forever. For it is the Lord that will increase you a thousandfold more than you are, and he will bless you as he has promised you. For I shall continually say, the Lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servant. For I have continually set the Lord before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. For it is the Lord that says, this is like the days of Noah to me. When I swore that the waters of Noah would no longer flood the earth, so I have sworn I will no longer be angry with you. Nor will I rebuke you. For the mountains may be removed and the hills may shake, but my loving kindness will never be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will never be shaken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. For it is the Lord that blesses the righteous man. He surrounds him with favor as with a shield. For the Lord will crown, surround, corral my life with goodness, for all his paths drip with abundance. And that's me from a place of revelation coming into agreement with the laws of life in Christ Jesus and beginning to break my agreement with the laws of sin and death. And therefore, I, I believe, I believe, I'm not there yet, but I believe I can live pain-free. That's what the Bible says. I believe that he renews my strength like that of an eagle. That's what I believe. That's what I believe. Now, he's going to have to violate my belief system to make me die. <laughs> but that's what I'm going to believe until I breathe my, my last breath because there is a generation. Moses stood in the presence of God, and he was as strong at 120 as he was at 40 under an inferior covenant. <clears throat> I had this dreamlike thing one time where the apostle Paul, this little small statured man kind of stooped over, pointed his bony finger. He was poking me in the chest with it. He said, if Moses had to veil his face because of the residual glory under a covenant seal with the blood of bulls and goats, what's your problem? That's what he said. What's your problem? What, where's your veil? Why aren't you living in the glory? That's what he was challenging. I'm like, well, I want to be. <laughs> I'm trying to get there. Why aren't you veiling your face because you have a covenant sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ? Moses was so captivated by God, he didn't even want to eat for 40 days and 40 nights when he was standing in the presence of God. You think we're going to go to heaven and have to be entertained? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That is a carnal interpretation of people that don't even know God, hardly. You believe he's enough to satisfy you for eternity? <laughs> Absolutely. To discover him over and over and over again. Why? I don't have but 10 minutes here. I'm, I'm just going to introduce a thought very quickly. Why? Because the seed of God abides in you. The seed of God. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, I believe beginning of verse 22, you know, we've had this false teaching going on in the church that um, we were outside of God and God adopted us into his family. Have you ever heard of that teaching? 
a lot of people, most, I still get emails from people that, that refute <laughs> what I'm about to tell you. But you know, that's false teaching. The Bible says, well, that's not adoption. You might say, well, it says the spirit of adoption. It most certainly does. It's given to believers. The Bible says that I have a seed from God inside of me. And if I have the seed of my father, what need do I have to be adopted? Just think about that a minute. Just think about that. You might say, why is that important? Because it will change your relationship forever. If you realize that inside of you, the Bible says, if you're going to believe the word of God, the Bible says you have an eternal life-giving seed inside of you. 1 John chapter 3 says, he that, has, he that has been born again does not practice sin because his sperm seed abides in you. For you have been begotten of God. Do you know what that word begotten means? Reproduced. Look it up for yourself. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Since you have in obedience to the truth purified your souls for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. Here it is. For you have been born again, not of a seed which is perishable, but an imperishable, incorruptible, immortal, not subject to decay seed through the living and enduring word of God. Now, if you have an incorruptible seed inside of you, do you need to be adopted? I am the seed of my father. Therefore, the Davis family did not need to adopt me into my family. So what is adoption? It is the taking of a son and placing him into the place of his inheritance. The word is quiothesia. All right, can you put on your thinking hat for just a minute? I've got I to move quick. There are two main words that are used in the New Testament, both of which have been translated sons. One of them means a baby. One of them means a mature son that has full access to the authority of his father. As many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the technons of God. Translated sons, babies. When you receive him, what are you? You're an infant. You're a child with a right to inheritance, right? The moment you were born in your family, you have a right to anything in the refrigerator. <laughs> you may not be able to reach the refrigerator yet, but whatever's in there is yours. Except in my case, when I grew up, the six-pack. That, that didn't belong to me. <laughs> I need to lighten it up just a little bit. You, you, you get the picture, right? You're, you're a child, but whatever my father owns, I have a right to. And and, and, and so, but then the other word, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the huios of God. Translated sons also. If you don't know the difference between the two words, you don't know how to apply the Scripture. When you receive him, you become a baby in God. When you're a huios son of God, you're being led by the Spirit. What does the Spirit of adoption do? It takes you from being a technon to a huios. It is called huiothesia. Are you tracking with me? Huiothesia, huios and thesia. Huios means a mature son. Thesia means the placing of a son. Why is that important? Because the Lord told me in a profound experience after I had this thing, he said, go tell my people that I am pouring out upon them the spirit of adoption. Right now, this morning, I'm telling you in the name of the Lord, if you'll believe me to have a prophetic anointing on my life, I am telling you the Lord is pouring upon you the spirit of adoption. Listen carefully to what I'm about to say. 
You don't receive the spirit of adoption to become a son. You receive the spirit of adoption because you are a son. Would you like me to prove that to you? Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Let's go with verse 23 first. I really want to back up even further, but all of creation itself, verse 21, will be set free from the slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that all of creation groans and suffers the childbirth until now. What is creation groaning waiting for? The revealing of the sons of God. Which ones? Technons or huios? The huios sons of God. All of creation is groaning, waiting for a body of people to become mature. Listen to verse 23. Not only this, but we ourselves. All right, stop right there. Who is Paul talking to? Christians, correct? Not only this, but we ourselves. He, all of Romans 8 is written to a body of people that are believers. They are already in Christ. They have already received the anointing. They have already had the first fruits of the Spirit in their life. So we... Born-again people, those that are believers in Christ. Not only this, but we ourselves have the first fruits of the Spirit, which is, you know, the earnest or the down payment from Ephesians 1.4. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption. Okay, if, if you're already a Christian under the false teaching that goes on, why do you need the spirit of adoption to become a Christian if you're already a Christian? But if you're receiving the spirit of adoption because you are a Christian, what's it going to do to your life? What, how is it going to transform you? It's going to move you. It's going to prod you. It's going to push you. It's going to compel you from infancy into maturity. That's what it's going to do. It, it works in cohesiveness with, against the lukewarm spirit. You cannot have the spirit of adoption on your life and live in a lukewarm church. Can't do it. Cannot do it. Because the spirit of adoption is saying, there's your destiny over there. You're meant to inherit everything. You're meant to walk. I'm, I'm wanting to place you as a son and put you in the position of your authority. Very quickly, I don't have time now to go into Galatians 4. Galatians 4, 1, 1 through 4. Here's what Paul talked about. They understood the... See, we have a 20th century mentality about adoption that's been taught all through the church, and it's wrong. Paul in Galatians 4 understood the true spirit of adoption because Romans 8, 11 talks about it also. Ephesians talks about it. Every place you read that in the context, it's two Christians receiving the spirit of adoption. But what he says in Galatians chapter 4, here is the image of it. A man has a son, and the moment that son is born, he has a right to everything. That's what Paul said. Galatians 4, you've read it yourself. But he lives like a slave. That's a paradox, isn't it? He has a right to everything, but he lives like a slave. Why? Because he's a baby. He's an infant. But he's subjected to guardians and tutors. The father of the household has a son. His desire is for that son to be a reflection of his image. So he hires, and literally they would do this in the day, hire through a contract someone whose job, whose profession it was, to train up a son to look just like the father. And so they would enter into a contract until the fullness of time, usually at the time that the son became 30. 
and that guardian or tutor would take the son, he would train him, he would even correct him, he would teach him, he would do all that he was supposed to do over a period of years, and at the age of 30, the guardian and the tutor would bring the son to the father, the father would would uh, invite all the neighbors and all the business people, and they would bring the son to the adoption ceremony where the father would say, this is now my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and take off his ring and put it on his son and say, now he has full authority to do my business because he is my son. He is my huios. He had been a technon. There's other words too, but they all mean different stages of development. Infants, adolescents, and so forth. But when you become a huios, you've been placed. And authority has been put on your life. And now you are free to conduct kingdom business. So Lord, I pray. I know we've got three minutes. (laughs) Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you want the spirit of adoption on your life this morning? Do you want to do what you were born to do? Lord, I pray all across this room this morning, you would begin to pour out the spirit of adoption. And as soon as I said that, I saw the word dreams go right through the, through the atmosphere. So I'm going to ask, I'm not even sure of the relationship, except to say, Lord, give the people dreams that will compel them. Give them revelations that will compel them from where they are to where they need to be. Give them revelations. Let the spirit of wisdom and revelation be stirred up this morning. Not only for those that are in this room, but all those that are streaming. All of those that may watch the archive. Let there be an impartation. Let there be an anointing this morning that will move us from complacency, from apathy or even lethargy into a place of of being on fire for God of pursuing our destiny, of pursuing our place, of pursuing our inheritance. What did the Lord buy for you with his blood, your inheritance? And Lord, I pray that something is released this morning that will move every person within the sound of my voice into the place of their inheritance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you. Stand up with me, will you? You received that word this morning? I'm telling you, it's a word from the Lord for us as a body. God is ready to move us in this season. Uh, it's just so much confirmation. How many feel like that? It was just a confirmation of what you've been hearing from the Lord, right? Because I'm telling you, God's been so speaking to us. We're about to see our city changed by the power of God that's going to be moving through His people. We're about to see our, our state, our nation. I'm telling you. This, Paul didn't have time to go into about this with Billy Graham passed away, but there's a shift that has happened, and uh, God is ready to move us forward in a supernatural way. So if you need further ministry, the prayer room's open, prophecy tables are open, dream interpretations are open. We want to make sure and get you equipped and move you forward in this season in a supernatural way. So I bless you in the name of Jesus. I say, Lord, let this word take root. We receive the spirit of adoption. We receive this declaration of our life that we have been broken away from the spirit of death and now the life of God flows in and through our lives in this season. Lord, I thank you. Hope deferred has moved so far away from us that now the dreams and visions that you've placed within us are coming alive again and we're going to walk in our purpose, walk in our destiny and see everything you've spoken over our lives fulfilled. So Lord, we thank you for that spirit of hope 
that spirit of adoption just coursing through our veins today, moving us forward in this season. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you are blessed by this message, you can give by visiting waio.org or by downloading the Wayo app and selecting Give. Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Thanks.